Hey everybody, Coach here. Hey, I hope your guys' holiday season is uh, clicking along at a, at a pace that you can keep up with. And in this day and age, that is saying a lot. Hey, this particular podcast, we are uh, taking a look back before we take a look forward and talking about some of the, the highlights and some of the lowlights of 2022 on this podcast and on the YouTube channel. I'm glad you're here. Let's get going, shall we? Because we got a lot to cover. Hey, I'm Matt. You can call me Coach. Every Friday, I bring with me landscape DIY education, concepts and theories, ideas and solutions, so you guys can go out and tackle a landscape project yourself, get professional results, save a whole lot of money in the process, and in this day and age, be a lot more self-reliant. Man, after a 20 plus year career in the green industry, I'm bringing with me a lot of knowledge and experience that I wanna share with you guys, the new, modern, educated, self-reliant homeowner of today. You know, this podcast, as well as a YouTube channel, is kinda like a baby for Maestro and I. We gave birth to it back in August of 2020, and we have raised it up. Raised it up into a little toddler. And let me tell you, it's not always uh, rainbows and unicorns. It's really not. A little toddler's in the terrible twos right now. And we, uh, you know, we put our nose to the grindstone every single week in order to bring a little something special to you. Something that you can use that's actually tangible educational value. And uh, I really hope you guys stick with us through 23 because we have bigger and better plans for the podcast and the channel. It may even be a surprise later on in 23. We'll just hold down in reserve for right now. Hey, we started out in January of this particular year, and we talked about uh, looking out for the unforeseen in landscape projects. And part of that we were talking about is if you think you can plan down to the minute for a landscape, you are so sadly mistaken. You know, many DIYers that I have come across, they stop, quit, and generally, my phone rang when things got a little tough. And it's when those things get a little tough in a landscape project that really test the character and the integrity of the homeowner and the perseverance and the teamwork that is within the home and that can be called upon to uh, bring some extra help to bear. And I certainly hope that if you have a project coming up in 23, that you take a little, uh, take a little lesson out of that episode that we did. It can really, really, really help out as far as your level of self-reliance, your confidence, and the ability to see something through despite the adversity that you get through skinning your knuckles or banging a shin or pulling a muscle or whatever it might be. You know, that unforeseen clause that happens in landscape projects as well as any type of construction projects basically surround time, they surround budget, and they surround people. People and product availability in this day and age. So when you, you tend to, you know, leap off into a landscape project, I certainly hope that you take that into consideration in your project. It's something you really have to pay attention to and going into it, it takes all the mystery and frustration out of a project, whether it be something simple or something very complex. You know, we also covered back in January the effects of your landscape, not only for those obviously within the home, but also how it affects your neighborhood, your neighbors, and what a 
well thought out, well cared for landscape says about you. And we, we covered that kind of in depth. Uh, I have seen it firsthand on some of the landscapes that I have been proud to say were mine. And I've seen it on other neighbors, customers uh, who took care of their investment. And they get quite a golf clap from the neighborhood as the years go on. And they stay up on it and they keep it looking fresh and new all the time. So the effects of a brand new landscape or even an established one that's well cared for, it has a resonating effect that oftentimes on a daily basis, you don't often see it. But it'll be that day, it'll be that Saturday morning that you're out there tending to something. And you'll have somebody out walking their dog or riding their bike. And that's when it happens. And someone will stop and say, man, I don't know what you do or where you learned it, but man, your yard is always such an inspiration. Many times I've taken some of your ideas and put it in my yard as well. And I just wanted to say, good job. Let me tell you, that is a round of applause that never goes away. Because many times, you know, when you're caught up in the minutia of home ownership, self-reliance and life in general, you know, you just don't get those very often. And when you do, Boy, talk about an uplifting effect. It's really nice to converse with a neighbor or a, a person passing by and they give you something like that, a total stranger off the street. All the hours and all the dollars that you've thrown at your, your home, your cars, your landscape, your, all the things that you have, it resonates out there even though we don't always, always see it. I did use one example in that episode where uh, a customer of mine, a, a nice young couple. I say young now, that's, that would mean their 30s. And they were the nicest kids I had ever met in a long, long time at that point in my life. And yet they had the crappiest yard. They moved in from an apartment. This was their first house. And man, they just, you know, they were kind of strapped. And they saved and saved and saved and saved and saved doing the bare minimum to their yard and their house until they, they had the monies. And my phone rang and I went over there and we did some design work for them. And then we also came back and did some construction. And we did a, a front yard and a backyard. And it was, it was really an amazing transformation to see what happened when we broke ground and then throughout the course of the whole construction project, how all of a sudden people who just blew on by and didn't give them two hoots, all of a sudden were stopping and pointing and looking and walking and suddenly repeated drive-bys, repeated walk-bys. And then the contact right towards the end. After all the demolition was done, the underground work was going, all of a sudden these people who my customers had never met suddenly had neighbors suddenly had, my gosh, look what you're doing to this place. This place, hey, by the way, I'm John. This is my wife, uh, Judy. And hey, we're, we're down and around the corner down there. When did you move in? And my customers would stand there as I'm throwing plants in the ground. Oh, we've been here a couple, two and a half years. Oh, wow. So if you want to know what the effect of landscape makeovers and new landscapes and well cared for, Yep, all of a sudden they had all kinds of visitors, all kinds of new friends. They got invitations to come over and hang out in backyards for barbecues. And, you know, they could be the nicest people with the crappiest yard until something positive happens in that yard. And all of a sudden things change. It was really kind of a, a very interesting phenomenon to witness firsthand. It, re it really was. 
I, I absolutely love that yard project. It was so cool to see. Hey, moving on, we went off into February thinking about uh, what is landscape success and what it means. What does it mean? What it means to me versus what it might mean to someone else, you know? It's a very subjective topic, especially when you're kind of delving into the idea of landscape. You know, they always say that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And somebody could have six foot tall weeds and overgrown jungle in the front yard and think it's just fantastic. Although a majority of us probably wouldn't, but uh, there is that house. There's that house in every neighborhood. For me, landscape success was always something that if I kept it neat, I kept it well-maintained, well-fed, productive. God, Maestro and I loved Weed Patch Ranch as far as the productivity of that landscape, what it gave us throughout the course of a year. Generally ending up in the winter, and the late fall and early winter when we had olive harvest and the beautiful, beautiful olive oil that we used to get out of that ranch. And then also the citrus, same time of year, the satsuma mandarins that came into right before Christmas, they'd start to ripen up. Oh, God, I do miss that. But throughout the whole growing season, you know, so that was our our version of success. That and the occasional visitors that came over and just went, man, you remember what this place looked like when you first moved in? What a difference. That subjectivity that I possessed, the objectivity that neighbors possessed, to me, that was success in general right there. It really was. You know, for me, it was just kind of a way of life. I firmly believe that approaching a landscape either to renovate or maintain it or modernize it and doing it in such a way that results in a positive goal you can look back and see a tangible result that is success right there's no two ways about it that is success right there even if it's a pot of pansies on the front porch and nothing else at the time it's still it's still very much successful so we covered that in great detail i invite you to go back and look at that if you get a chance or any one of these as a matter of fact. So we rolled out of February and into March and we talked about the battle of landscapes and pets. What that perennial battle kind of summarizes. Now there's many people, and Maestro and I do not subscribe, but there are many people that have pets, multiple pets, and they're like their kids in many respects. But sometimes those kids can often make it really hard to have a really nice landscape. I have been around clients and friends that have large dogs, had them around that have the little potbelly pigs, have horses. And for the most part, they try, but it's almost like they succumb to the love of the pet and the pet's will, and the landscape ends up on the short end of the stick. So when we talk about that in depth, we talk about the pros and the cons and some of the solutions that you can approach a landscape to where you can kind of have both. You can have something really nice to entertain and enjoy for yourself, for your family and friends, and yet still have doggos, still have little rooting pigs out there. Hey, in March, we also covered a, an episode that was kind of near and dear to my heart. It had to do with uh, landscape renovations from a designer's point of view. And I actually used a, an actual landscape that I was going to design and approached it in the manner that you guys would see the problems through my eyes and maybe it would help you when you go out and look at your landscape and possibly entertain a landscape renovation. I really liked that episode. It was, it was very good. It was educational. I really believe I brought a lot of value in that particular one, 
but I'm, I really focused in on some of the problems that were present. And I also showed you, you know, what I look for starting just driving in the neighborhood and being able to see what fits and what wouldn't fit. What's being done in the neighborhood versus, you know, how stagnant is it, both in landscaping and in neighborhood in general. And it's something that, uh, you know, I still do to this day. The most recent video we had over on the YouTube channel, I walked through a, a very good friend's yard in the backyard. I pointed out all the things that would be addressed from my professional point of view as a contractor and designer, and then also things that they could do themselves if they chose to do it. And so looking at it from a designer's point of view can really open a layman's eyes and show, you know, that it's, hey, there's a few things that need to be addressed and we can't skip over them. Otherwise, we may end up with problems as the project progresses or after it's all supposedly said and done and we still haven't addressed drainage, we still haven't addressed slope, we haven't addressed the neighborhood or security or views or any of those kinds of things. We've rolled into April and we talked in one episode about taking a hobby such as landscape design and turning it into a career and what were some of the pros and cons. I have a, one viewer on the YouTube channel, a 15-year-old young man that's considering a doing his own mow and blow business and educating himself in, in landscaping and landscape construction and design. And he listens quite regularly. And I'll say, hey, happy holidays out there because you know who you are. And it's, uh, it's kind of an eye-opener, you know, because many times, not just in landscaping either, not just in gardening or anything else, you take a hobby you take a, a cathartic release like gardening in your own yard and you turn it into a career, oftentimes it can just, it's like a turd in the punch bowl. It really is. It can just take that cathartic and just ruin it. It really can. Classic examples are, I'm, a, I'm kind of an avid fisherman. And there was a time in my life where I considered competitive bass fishing back in the day, back in the, the early 90s. And I went to a couple of tournaments, and I actually participated in them. But the pressures and the competition in one tournament alone set me back 50% of the love of the hobby of bass fishing. It really did. I mean, I've never felt so much pressure to go out and perform and succeed and bring something to the scales at the end of a day. It it just totally wiped it out. And in some cases, that's what uh, landscaping can do as well. It's hard work. And yes, you can do it right from the get-go if you've got a, a big checkbook and you can throw a lot of money at people and vehicles and everything else. But most of us who've done the job uh, start out small. And we definitely walk before we run. And we build the business from maybe a one-man show with a one, one pickup and a trailer and we build it up into something where, yes, we could have help. And I did have help at one point until California laws and everything else became so constrictive that I downsized and went right back to just me and the occasional day laborers that I brought in from temporary agencies. But you should check that one out. It's kind of an eye-opener. Hey, you know, in May, our biggest growth of the podcast and of the YouTube channel came in the month of May. And we covered a couple of things. One was an actual design of... Uh, a family's family member's house, both front and backyard. And we took what was there, we took some of the wants and needs of that family member, 
and we designed out that front and backyard so that it was functional forever. And I don't know if they ended up doing anything with it. I haven't had contact with them since uh, summertime. But uh, I think there were some dollars that need to be saved before they went and did it themselves. But I think people learned a lot and exactly how we dealt with uh, taking yards and putting them to scale on paper. Some of the functionality designs that went into it, you know, like walkability and privacy and views and shade, those kinds of things. I really enjoyed those two. We broke it into two. We broke it into a front yard podcast and video, and then we did the backyard. So I thought it was pretty cool. Really, really worked out well. We also covered in May uh, an episode kind of surrounded uh, landscape construction. If it was easy, everybody would do it. But it's not easy. And I showed a lot of ways on how to get past the, the hard parts of a landscaping project for the self-reliant homeowner. It was interesting just in the way I had to put the podcast and the, and the video together because I really had to look inside and say, what was the real hard parts about it? And it, it, turned, out, it turned out pretty darn good. And I think we got some good, uh, good thumbs up and good reviews on that particular episode. I noticed that throughout the year, the YouTube channel itself grew slow, but it grew. And this is not a genre that we're in that is uh, super, super popular. It is a genre of people that are learning to be self-reliant again, learning to do things on their own again, and not just writing a check to a professional to have it done. I really enjoyed bringing the hard parts into the light and then offering some solutions on how to get past them. We also covered in the month of May, we covered uh, fallout from landscape burnout. And that one was directed at people who had been in their homes for a while. And they were tired of the same old, same old. And what to do about that outside in the yard. And man, that was kind of my niche market when I was a professional doing this on a daily basis. Coming in and, and hearing people going, we just don't know what the hell to do. You know, Coach Matt, tell, tell us what we can do with this thing. Show us some ideas and, and give us some inspiration. And that was really uh, the tangible part of my career was I could show them some of those things. And I could see the light bulb, the light bulb rheostat growing brighter and brighter as we talked more and more. And oftentimes, yes, I did, I did the work, but there were some times where people just wanted the design on which to work off of. And that burnout phase is where you take something that maybe when you moved in 10, 12, 20 years ago, you were, you were the Taj Mahal of the neighborhood. And now you're almost that house because life has changed a little bit. You know, so has your yard. And maybe what looked super good 15 years ago is really out of control and overgrown and in need of some really landscape surgery to get it back in shape. So bringing some of those burnout things to life was a, a fun episode. I really liked it. You know, in June, we actually covered one episode that had to deal with hardscape. And many times people get lost in the, the minutia of the pretty flowers and the pretty landscape lights or the, the pretty water feature. And we kind of forget about the hardscape stuff. Uh, I kind of use the term, the, the stepchild of the landscape. And when I talk about that, we're talking about the, the pavers or the the decking or the walkways, those kinds of things that just, they just perform their function day in and day out, year in and year out with very little fanfare because obviously let's face it, 
there's not a lot of not a lot of excitement after the honeymoon phase of a paver patio you know it's just segmented concrete or the decking you know it's just wood and decking material and yet it there it is performing its function every day and we tend to focus in on the pretties and the niceties and we we fertilize and we take care of that stuff that is green and we often let the, the hardscape go by the wayside. So we talk about maintenance of hardscape, decking, concrete, pavers, that kind of stuff. It was neat to research and it was also nice to point out that, you know, anybody can plant a plant and mow a lawn. Anybody can prune a hedge. Well, not anybody, but anybody can prune a hedge to a certain point. But how many of you can put in a, a paver patio correctly? How many of you can put in an artificial lawn correctly? or walkways around the whole house so you have great walkability. The hardscape one was a was a good episode. I really I really enjoyed doing that one. It was eye-opening for the beginning of the the summer landscape season and a lot of feedback that I got on it. Some was good, some was not so good, but that's just being in the business that I'm in right now. It was a good episode. Hey, we also talked about the, the brand new project that finally gets done. And here we are coming into the, the heat of summer in some places, 100 plus degrees already. Not where we were at the time. In June, we were still up in the cool, cool climbs of the Pacific Northwest. And it was a very late spring. Lots of rain, lots of cool temperatures, well beyond what the norm was. But we talked about that new baby in the house, that new landscape that sits out in the front or backyard or both. And it's not the time to go jetting to Fiji. I share a real interesting story uh, surrounding that in that particular episode and how to stay dialed in for that first 30 days, sometimes 60 days, depending on the weather situation, how to keep an eye on the weather channel and make sure that you're there on guard, literally, like you got a new baby in the house. Make sure things are moist all the time. Testing your irrigation system weekly to make sure everything is still working correctly. And it was really a good insurance policy episode that allowed people to take a look at that investment dollar that they threw into their yard and to their home and making sure that it continues to work properly, grow, get established, and move forward. We also talked about landscaping for home security in June, how you can landscape or in and around your property to better prepare yourself for peepers and creepers and how some landscape elements can hinder that and how some can help that. It was not a really well-received episode. I didn't get a lot of views and a lot of likes on it, but it's one of those things where, you know, I had some experience in it and I really wanted to share it with you guys. We delved in pretty deep on that and it worked out pretty darn good as far as I'm concerned. We rolled in July and talked about irrigation basics, the irrigation 101 and your approaches to it and what it involved and drip irrigation versus spray irrigation, the applications of both, the thoughts of water conservation no matter where you're at and allowing the irrigation system that you're putting in to perform at its best when it's newly installed and 10 years down the road. We talked about timers and valves. We talked about all kinds of things, including 
check valves and ball valves and all the kinds of things that go along with systems such as that. So check that one out. A moving on into the month of August, we revisited irrigation again and we talked about maintenance and repairs and how to approach that broken pipes and timers that aren't working, valves that don't seem to close all the way or open up all the way, and it was uh, pretty well received. I hope people got something out of that one, I really do. Hey, the following week we talked about landscape lighting. We talked about landscape lighting inspection. We talked about maintenance tips and repair approaches and how to keep yours at best because it is one luxury item in the landscape that I've seen that people let go by the wayside first. Water always has to be put there. Low voltage lighting does not always. And I saw that quite a bit in my career. I really did. It was kind of a kind of a conundrum that people would spend thousands and thousands of dollars on upgrading a, a lighting system. And then after the first year, a bulb goes out and then two and then five and then eventually kids knock over lights, doggo knocks down lights, lenses aren't cleaned and People kind of forget about it. Hey, we also covered in the height of summer, we talked about summer lawn care and how it can uh, really take a nice lawn and ruin it if you don't stay up on it. And summer lawn care is when most lawns, even, even warm season grasses, they tend to stress a little bit. If the right amount of moisture balance, right amount of food, and the right amount of uh, attention is not given to it. And summer lawn care is, is kind of a balancing act. You really have to balance that attention to it if you want to keep it at its best. We also talked, uh, we went back to designing just a little bit as far as the basics of colors and contrasts and how you can mix plant materials, both of leaf color and flower colors, when you are doing your designing and when you're doing your installing. So as that landscape comes into fruition, that you have a really unique look to it and how you have the chartreuses and burgundies, you have the greens and the whites, and you have contrasts that really, really set your yard apart from all the other landscapes maybe in the neighborhood. We also talked about plant health and how to diagnose the six-step approach. That six-step approach did, did pretty well. I was, I was really happy with that and how it came about and how people received it. It was, I think it was an eye-opener. And when you have plants that are approaching 50, 60, 70 dollars for a five gallon can plant nowadays, it seems only commonsensical that you should pay attention to it and make sure that that investment stays healthy. And we used an acronym there. We talked about LDWCID. And if you can remember that, it was location, depth, water, critters, infestations, and disease. So remember the acronym, if you ever get into that particular one, you might want to write it down or make a note of it. And if you have problems, then, you know, you can always go back to them and remember that LDWCID. It's something that was taught to me many, many decades ago. Yep, plant health, how to look at it, how to diagnose it, and how to improve on it so that your landscape keeps marching forward in a healthy fashion and it allows it to be at its best Hey, we rounded the corner out of August and into September with a couple, two or three particular episodes that I was very, very fond of. Uh, number one was coming into the season, the, the, the waning remaining season, the best season of the year for landscaping. And we did that at the beginning of September. Fall is, you, you cannot beat it. 
and everybody has their version of fall. Way up north where Maestro and I were at, fall was in full swing by mid-September. And by mid-October, <laughs> yeah, we had our first snow flurries. So that's fall for way up north. But say down in Alabama or Florida, fall is until now into late November. There's still leaves on the trees in late November and into December. So fall is really relative as to where you're at. But this, you should approach that season, no matter what, at the right time for the best success. Without the heat, without all the humidity and everything else that goes along with it, you can really, really have great landscape success approaching it at that time of year. We talked about the great grass debate. We talked about the version of, do we put in turf grasses or do we leave it all ornamental shrubs and ground covers? And uh, that one, that topic there had to be one of the highest rated podcasts and videos we had. That lawn substitute, grass substitute genre was very, very popular with viewers, not just on my channel, but in a lot of channels. It really was. I closed out September with a, a color chasing a color chasing landscape theory that you could apply to your landscape. And what I was talking about was color chasing for not only flower color, but leaf color versus time of year color and how you can really make it nine months out of the year with something with a wow factor in your yard, whether it be flower or whether it be foliage, whether it be shape or whether it be size. And that's uh that's something that really, really is important if you're sitting down to doing some of your own designing. As we went off into October, paid attention to the landscape bones. And what we talked about with the landscape bones are those plant materials that, that carry the landscape from the late fall and all the way through winter until the landscape comes back to life the following spring. And although it's nice, you can make a 12-month landscape happen to where everything looks good 12 months out of the year, depending on where you live. Now, where I was coming from in Northern California, the landscape pretty much went to sleep, but we splashed it up a little bit with winter annuals, mainly around doorways and patios and, and that kind of stuff. But the rest of the landscape was night-night for a few months. Uh, for you guys way up north, north of the 45th, yeah, I, I know you, you can't put anything outside in a pot because it will it will just freeze to death. It'll get covered with snow and it's not possible. However, for everybody above USDA zone nine, you guys can have great winter colors. You really can. I mean, most of the time, paper narcissus and daffs are coming up mid-January nowadays. You can punch it up all the way through the winter with annuals and then step up your, your bulb planting so that you have color all the way through the winter and into spring where you switch over to spring and summer annuals and bulbs and you just, the, the bones of the landscape turns out to be an annual thing rather than a monthly thing, it really does. Hey, we also covered the topic of uh, spacing, mature spacing that is, which kind of went along with the one we followed up with the week later and that was designing for the 10th year. And both of them kind of go hand in hand, if you think about it, on how people like to put things down on paper, but they don't often consider what they're going to look like in the 10th year and what the spacing really needs to be. And how I used to, you know, gain a little criticism from some of my colleagues and competitors where I used to work 
and how my, my landscapes looked a little sparse when I first put them in as compared to people who were trying to please the customer and advertise at the same time by overpopulating a new landscape. <laughs> and then they would come back as the maintenance contractor and end up taking things out after year two because everything had grown together so overcrowdedly they had to start taking things out. So when we design for the 10th year, we think about spacing and how it's going to be in our mind's eye at year five and at year 10 and beyond. We also talked about uh, climbing, that, climbing that landscape project hill and preparing you guys mentally, and in some cases physically, for what that project entails and how steep that hill is at the beginning, and what it feels like to summit it, and what it feels like to finish and cross over that finish line afterwards. It's really a rah-rah type of episode, but very, very inspirational for those who have never taken on a project such as this. We also dealt with uh, landscape project management and being your own kind of general contractor. Maybe you're doing some things yourself, but you're bringing in professionals. And how to go about hiring and interviewing and contracting with these professionals. Making sure you make the right choice. Make sure the chemistry is always there. If it's not in an interview phase, my God, it's probably not going to be when the almighty dollar and thousands and thousands of dollars of materials start rolling in, and then you end up with complications. Hey, in November, just last month, we talked about a couple of things. We talked about uh, the purpose of a landscape, and before you start it, how you should go about defining that literally writing out the definition of what the landscape is going to do for you. And don't put a shovel on the ground until you have it and be able to define it. Define it at the, someone asks you, you know, the purpose of my landscape was to provide food for my family. The purpose of my landscape was a place for my dogs to play. The purpose of my landscape is entertaining family and friends. And that purpose is very, very important. Hey, we also talked about uh, safety and liability, some of the things that go, go along with projects like this, go along with the, the fact that there are some dangers in landscaping and how to avoid them, how to, how to identify them, and how to mitigate them down to almost zero. We talked about the, the five W's and an H when it came to uh, landscaping and how, how you can plan out your project by using that, those acronyms, the WHO, the what, the when, the where, the why, and the hows, but we directed it towards the task of pruning. Although it could be applied to most anything, we really directed it at pruning. I guess what I would like to say and wrap up for 2022, because Maestro and I are gonna take a week off, and we'll rejoin you right after the first of the year, is we thank you, our listeners and our viewers and our subscribers without you guys, we would not be approaching 5,000 subscribers on the YouTube channel and tens of thousands of downloads on this podcast. And who knows how many streaming listeners are out there. We very much appreciate you. And we hope if there's anything we can hope for in 2023 is that there's a little more engagement and a little more question and allow me to help you directly, either, either written or on the podcast, we're going to try to throw in some Q&As. We might try some webinars, but we need some feedback from you guys. You guys are out there gaining all this education every single week. So help us out a little bit too. You know, for now, 
I think we're going to say goodbye. And I think we're going to say happy holidays and enjoy the rest of December. Exhale regarding landscaping and then get ready to hit it again starting in January. If I can be of any assistance in getting your landscape project off the ground or helping you curb a problem that you currently have, hey, I'm only an email away. Youryardcoach at gmail.com. You guys take care, and as always, to your landscape success. Bye for now. See you next year. Thank you for listening to the Yard Coach Podcast. Don't forget to head over to the website at youryardcoach.com where you will find more DIY landscape education, including the free 15-step DIY landscape checklist, Coach Matt's ebook called Landscaping Simplified, and the flagship digital course, Homescape 1.0. As always, if you have any questions or comments, you can email Coach Matt directly at youryardcoach at gmail.com. We'll see you right here next week.